0: Welcome to the Vine Life Podcast. We're a church in Manchester who love Jesus, each other and our city. Catch up on this week's message and more. Awesome. Thanks, Neil. Hi, everyone. Um, Nice to be with you today. Um, Special welcome to some returning friends. Not seeing some of you folks for a little while. Um, And it's half term, so we've got some people not with us this morning. We've got a youth in today as well. Muted response, I know <laughs> don't want to be enthusiastic about anything, but hey, um want I drop my bookmark um and hello to everyone who's watching, as Karim said on YouTube, we're catching up or keeping tabs on what we're doing over our podcast as well um It's great that you can join us, look down the camera there, um like I said, my name's John married to M who's just here and um, We've been part of this church family for knocking on 20 years, and um, I'm part of the core leadership team, this church family, and I'm on staff, which means I get to spend a lot of my time um, thinking about you guys, which is a privilege. Um, so, uh, um, if you've been tracking with what we've been doing um, on Sundays at Vine Life, you'll know that the last kind of um, couple of months since Easter, we've been thinking about resurrection stories. We've been thinking about all the appearances of Jesus between when he's raised from the dead um, and Pentecost. And Pentecost was last week, so you're thinking, John, this is out of order. And you're right, this is out of order. This was going to be a few weeks ago, but we decided to give um, a a Sunday morning over to talking about um, becoming Friends of Pioneer and kind of that whole external oversight, what we're doing with that. So that's why this is now. It's a little bit out of sequence, but as we're going to kind of discovered today we can really be all right with interruption um, and distraction and distraction. Um, but before we go any further, I want to tell you about a friend of mine who I've been spending some time with over the last kind of three weeks or so. Um, I'm just gonna move these mic stands out of the way so I don't accidentally hit them later. Um, a friend of mine I, he's a friend I've had for quite a long time. Um, he's a friend of actually he's a friend of mine in ASAFs, my son. ASAP's nine um, he's out in game changer at the moment but we've been spending some the last three weeks, we've been spending some time with this friend of ours. It's a mutual friend. Katie, I can see. Andy, I know you guys have been a ex- friend of ours mutually together. Um, let me introduce you to this guy. You can put the slide on. Um, this is my friend, Link. I've been spending a lot of time with Link over the last three weeks. Um, if you have paid any attention to the technology pages of the BBC News website, you'll discover that uh, Tears of the Kingdom, uh, the newest... Entry into the Legend of Zelda franchise. Um, came out just over three weeks ago. We sold 10 million copies already. So I'm not alone. And at least uh, Andy and Katie also pre-ordered. Uh, on release day, we were kind of exchanging text messages like, Has your copy arrived yet? Uh, this was pro- We were probably more excited about this than the arrival of Freddy, to be honest. Um, borderline. No, Freddy was definitely up there. Um, but let me tell you about this game, right? So... The Legend of Zelda takes place in the fantasy kingdom of Hyrule, okay? And what what Nintendo have done, they've made this massive world for you to explore, okay? And there's like this, you've got this mission that you're on, so you've got like the main thing that you need to do, which is to beat the bad guy, obviously, and rescue the princess. But along the way, there's all these other things that you can do, you can get completely distracted by all these rabbit trails. Um, And you can play this game for hundreds and hundreds of hours and get nowhere near completing it. My son, on the other hand, because he is nine, just wants to race through to the end. So he has already completed this game, which is impressive. He's on his second playthrough, and I'm like, dude, you're ignoring all the good stuff. You're ignoring all the rabbit trails, specifically the bright blue rabbit trails. They'll take you to a cave where there's treasure. Anyway, little joke, if you've actually played the game, um, which obviously not many of you have. <laughs> um, just absorbing your judgment right now. That's, that's fine. Um, but but Asaf and I tend to play this game in a little, little bit of a different way. He is focused. He is driven. He wants to get to the end and complete it. This is a child who asked me a few years ago, Daddy, how do you complete Minecraft? which if you've ever played Minecraft, you'll know you don't complete Minecraft. Um, he wanted to complete the game that can't be completed. Whereas I'm like, do you know what? I just want to spend time in this world. I just want to talk to every stranger, every non-player character that I meet. I want to, I want to do all the sub-quests. I want to complete all the shrines. Sorry, Liv. I know you're embarrassed by me. Um, <laughs> but today, like, I just, I, I'm really happy to be interrupted. I'm really happy. To have my plans changed in this game. And and today, we've got a story where Jesus comes and interrupts his friends. He comes and changes their plans. I don't know what you're like with interruption. I don't know what you're like when plans change. Might be kind of dependent on what you're doing. But you're the kind of person that's like, nah, I just want to get this done. I want to get to the end. Or are you happy to be interrupted? Are you happy for your plans to change? So like I said, we're going to be exploring a story where Jesus shows up at his disciples' place of work, no less. And it interrupts them. You know, I love how as we've explored these different resurrection stories, Jesus has shown up in some unexpected and different ways. You know, he shows up to Mary when she's on her way to serve him in the place that she last. Saw him. I love how the Holy Spirit shows up when the believers are praying together. They're intently seeking him. The Holy Spirit shows up at Pentecost. I love how Jesus appears to the disciples on the Emmaus Road when they are walking away from the very place they would hoped would be the thing that changes everything. They were walking along the road of disappointment and Jesus shows up. Okay, we're going to read uh, today's passage. Uh, it's from John chapter 21. If you've got a Bible, you can follow along. It's going to be on the screen as well. Um, We're also going to be looking at two passages today. So shout out to you if you have got a living, breathing paper Bible with you. You can flick between the two passages we're going to be looking at. So John 21 first. And this is Jesus' third appearance to the disciples. It says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. That's That's the Sea of Galilee. Okay it's just called a couple of different names because you know it's hyperlocal. People have got different names for it, but it's called Tiberius here, but it's talking about the Lake Galilee. He revealed himself in this way: Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel from Cana of Galilee, Zebedee's sons, that's James and John, and two others of his disciples were together. "I'm going fishing," Simon Peter said to them. "We're coming with you," they told him. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. When daybreak came. Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples did not know it was Jesus. Friends, Jesus called to them, you don't have any fish, do you? No, they answered, cast the net on the right side of the boat, he told them, and you'll find some. So they did, and they were unable to haul it in because of the large number of fish. The disciple, the one Jesus loved, said to Peter, it is the Lord." When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he tied his outer clothing around him, for he had taken it off and plunged into the sea. Since they were not far from the land, about 100 yards away, the other disciples came into the boat, dragging the net full of fish. When they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire there with fish lying on it and bread. Bring some of the fish you've just caught, Jesus told them. So Simon Peter climbed up and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. Even though there were so many, the net was not torn. Come and have breakfast, Jesus told them. None of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? Because they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came, took the bread and gave it to them. He did the same with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus appeared to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. You know, and then after this story, we get the beautiful little story of Peter's redemption with Jesus. Jesus asking, do you love me? And him saying, yeah. Um, And Ralph shared about that a few weeks ago. So go check that out. Um, And this story, this takes place at the end of the book of John. It's almost at the end of Jesus' time with his disciples on the earth. It's got a lot of similarities, I noticed. As I was reading, I was reflecting on this story. It's got a lot of similarities with something that happened right back at the start of Jesus' ministry with his disciples. It reminded me of the story in Luke chapter 5. So we're going to read that as well. Now, quick pro tip. Not that I'm a pro. But a pro tip. um, When you're reading the Bible and something reminds you of something else, there's a good chance it's meant to. There's a good chance... That when you read something that reminds you of something else, it's because it's meant to. Um, Tim Mackey of the Bible Project describes the Bible in one way. You can understand it as ancient Jewish meditation literature, which basically means you're meant to read it slowly, think about it a lot, and go and read it again. Read the first bit, read to the end, read the first bit again, see what's new having read the end as well. And some stuff in the Bible you're only going to know when you've read it a few times. You're only going to see the patterns emerge when you pick it up and read it again. So we're going to read Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. Um, I'm going to read this to you as well. So it says, as the crowd was pressing in on Jesus to hear God's word, he was standing by Lake Gennesaret. Now this is another name for Lake Galilee. Just, you know, three different names for the same lake. Um He saw two boats at the edge of the lake. The fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, which belonged to Simon, and asked him to put out a little from the land. Then he sat down and was teaching the crowds from the boat. When he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put your nets into deep water and let down your nets for a catch. Master, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing. But if you say so, I'll let down the nets. When they did this, they caught a great number of fish, and their nets began to tear. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they uh, they came and filled both boats so full that they began to sink. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, because I'm a sinful man, Lord. For he and all those with him were amazed at the catch of fish they'd taken. And so were James and John, Zebedee's sons, who were Simon's partners. Don't be afraid, Jesus told Simon. From now on, you'll be catching people. So they brought the boats to land, left everything and followed him. Okay, I hope you're paying attention because I want you to turn to the person next to you and tell them one thing that you noticed that was the same between the two stories and one thing that you noticed that was different between the two stories. If you sat on your own, go find someone to tell. Okay, one thing you noticed that was the same, one thing you noticed that was different. Hopefully not too taxing, just one thing. I reckon that's enough time to say two things in total to the person next to you. Um, so these are the things that I've picked up that were similarities. Okay. These are the things just as I was reading it, things that I noticed that were the same. Give yourself a point. Just, it doesn't win you anything, but just emotionally you get to have a point. if um, you've got any of the same things as me, So the first thing is that Jesus showed up as disciples place of work. He shows up where they're fishing. Um, it's the same location. So Gennesaret, Tiberius, and Galilee are all named for the same place. Um, it's got some of the same people. You've got Simon Peter. You've got James and John. Um, they fished all night and caught nothing. Uh, Jesus tells them to put their nets back into the water. They have to do the same thing they've been doing just again. Uh, and then there's loads of fish, just like a lot of fish. Interestingly, in the second story in John, you may be thinking... Why does he tell us there's 153 fish? Uh, just you know, no one really knows. That's that's all. There's this like there's this really specific number, 153 fish, and lots of people wonder maybe is this some sort of like code? Is John trying to tell us something? If he was trying to tell us something, no one knows what it is anymore. Um, it might just be that this was so like remarkable that they just remembered that there was 153 fish, and it just became part of the story. Anyway, there was a lot of fish, um, and then. The last thing I picked up was there is a conversation between Jesus and Peter, which is followed by a commission. There's a conversation between Jesus and Peter that's followed by a commission. But there are some differences as well. So, for all the things that are the same, there's a whole bunch of things that are different. So, obviously, in Luke 5, we have the first call of these disciples. But in John, it's the final days. On Earth, So it's like it's marking the beginning and the end of Jesus' time with these guys on earth. Interestingly, in the story in Luke, the nets break. But in John's story, the nets don't break. In fact, he makes a specific point to tell us that the nets don't break. In Luke's story, Peter tells Jesus to go away from him because he's a sinful man. But in John's story... Peter gets out of the boat and goes to Jesus. And then in Luke, they're commissioned to catch people. It's his first commission to catch people. And then in John, Jesus gives Peter a slightly different commission. He tells him to feed his sheep, to look after them. So while there's a lot of similarities, there's some big differences in these two stories. Like why didn't the nets burst this time? Why did Peter run to Jesus instead of falling on his knees? And I think the big thing is that over the course of three years of living and walking and working with Jesus, two things have changed. The first is that their capacity has expanded. Their nets don't break the second time. And the second thing is that they knew Jesus' character. They knew what he was like. That's why Peter would run to him instead of just getting caught up with his own sinfulness. This is after three years of 24-7 life with Jesus. In those three years, they've done everything together. They've traveled together, which mostly involved walking a long way. They've heard Jesus preach. They've participated in him working miracles, in caring for people, in listening to their stories. They've experienced him not rejecting anyone, but welcoming the sinners, the tax collectors. They've eaten meals together. They've been witnesses to arrest. Some of them stuck around to see him crucified. And they've all seen and encountered him after his resurrection and his resurrected body. Jesus has taken these guys on a long, intentional three-year journey with him. It's been a slow and patient work. You know, he could have just had Pentecost early, couldn't he? He could have just been like, do you know what, guys, you don't need me? Have the Holy Spirit. Now I'm with you always. But instead... He seems committed to this slow, intentional way of life with his disciples. You know, whenever Jesus talked about the kingdom of God, most of the time he used a farming metaphor. He talked about, you know, like farmers sowing in their field and wheat and weeds growing up together. And, you know, birds coming and stealing the grain. And, and he talked about this stuff that is slow. You know, he didn't just use farming metaphors because he was talking to a society that engaged in farming and everyone would know what he was talking about. Yes, I think that's true. But I think also Jesus talked about farming because farming is slow. Farming takes time. You sow in one season and you reap in another and you take care of the land over years and years and years. And there's a lot of time where it looks like nothing is happening. And over this time, their capacity to receive what Jesus is doing has gently expanded. Their nets don't break the second time. Um, it just reminded me this morning, even as we were praying before um, the service, this idea that Jesus actually says in the same chapter in Luke 5, he talks about putting new wine in new wineskins. And the reason that he used, that people would use new wineskins. To put new wine in is because as you put the wine in, it ferments and it expands. And Jesus is looking to pour out the new wine, the things of his spirit, the works that he wants to do in us and through us. He wants to put them in vessels that are going to expand and stretch and grow in their capacity. But God's really not in a rush, God is not in a hurry. Jesus wasn't in a hurry to race to the cross so that he could not just because it was going to be a really unpleasant experience for him, but he wasn't in a rush to race to the cross. Just so then he could die and be resurrected and then he could send that spirit and the whole thing would be done. You know, and Peter picks this up in his letter, 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9, he says, dear friends, don't overlook this one fact. With the Lord, one day is like a thousand years and a thousand years is like one day. The Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. So Peter's addressing this idea of like, if Jesus said he's kind of come back, why hasn't he come back yet? What's he waiting for? But Peter's saying, look, time's just different for God. You know, God is not in a rush because he has all the time in the world. And when I say that he has all the time in the world, I don't just mean he has lots of time. He has all the time in the world. Um, I'm reminded of this guy, Ron Swanson, who said, if you ever watch Parks and Rec, great show, there's a scene where he goes to a restaurant, it's late at night, and he's like, give me all the bacon and eggs you have to the waiter. And then he says to the waiter, I just want to be clear that you've not misheard me. You may have heard me say, give me a lot of bacon and eggs. What I actually said was, give me all the bacon and eggs you have. See, when we say that God has all the time in the world, we don't mean he's just got a lot of time. He has all the time. Because without getting too philosophical, Ron can go away now. Thanks, Damien. I don't need him staring down the back of my head. Um, Without getting too philosophical, God is the very essence of being like nothing exists outside of God. God is the great uncaused cause. Nothing exists unless he made it, which means time as we know it is made by God. It's not just that God is outside of time, but all of time is inside of God. Like he's the great author of this story called life, the universe and everything. And he's writing a good story. Not everything may be good about life right now, but he's working it out for good. In the end, he's going to make everything new. It's all made possible because he sent his son, Jesus, to die on a cross. So that everything in this world that is dark and broken and sinful and painful would be dealt with once and for all. And he rose again because death could not hold him. Now, you know, Jesus' resurrection is the proof that the work of the cross is complete. And that's good news for you. It's good news for you if you know Jesus. Because you don't just have this lifetime, but an eternity to enjoy the good story that God is working out. The good story that God is writing. And if you're ready to say, Jesus, yes, I trust you, then you'll get to see everything made right in the end. God is making everything beautiful in its time, as Ecclesiastes says. And you are invited to see it made good. Um, There's a guy called Tim Keller who wrote a lot of books, a very influential voice in the church um, over the last kind of 10, 15 years or so. He recently passed away, but one of the things he was uh, fond of saying in the last few years before he died, he kind of wrote it in a number of different ways and said it in different interviews. He said, Look, If Jesus died and was resurrected, then everything really is going to be okay. It might not be all right now, but we'll see it all right in the end. Things will work out because God is good and Jesus rose from the grave. And sometimes, you know what, that's all we have to cling to in life. But it's enough. And God doesn't seem to be in a hurry. Except that sometimes he is. God's not in a hurry except for what he is. Because at different times, at different places, Jesus comes and interrupts the story. So like these disciples, they were out on the water fishing. They hadn't caught anything. Do you know what? They were probably going to go back the next day and try again. But Jesus comes and interrupts their story with a miraculous catch of fish. And he did it all over the place in the Gospels, didn't he? He came and interrupted someone's story. A woman who'd been bleeding for years. One touch and she was healed, transformed. A little girl who died before a time. Jesus comes and tells her to wake up. She's alive again. His friend Lazarus is dead and buried in the grave for three days. He's beginning to smell, but Jesus says, come out, Lazarus. And he's alive again. Jesus comes and interrupts the story. Things seem to be moving in one direction where Jesus turns up and everything is different. And he's been doing it throughout history. He's been doing it in the lives of the people in this room. If you ask enough people in this room for a story of when Jesus showed up and changed the narrative, when he interrupted things, there's plenty of stories in this room of dramatic financial intervention in people's lives, of miraculous healing, of relationships restored and healed and made new. But how do we, how do we hold this tension that God does not seem to be in a hurry, but sometimes he really does seem to be? in a hurry how do we embrace the slow and steady life that Jesus calls us to of consistent faithfulness of showing up in the places that he's invited us to show up in of doing the work of living with Jesus 24 7 of inviting him into every part of our lives but also saying God would you would you move would you change this situation? Would you transform this situation? It's a tension we have to hold. Um, there's a quote I love that crystallized it for me. Um, I was reading this book uh, called The Wind Through the Keyhole by Stephen King. as part of the Dark Tower cycle of books. Great read, not for kids, but it's good fun. Um, there's one character says to another, It says, pray for rain, but dig a well while you do it. And these words really jumped off the page to me. I'm like, oh, I feel like this talks to me about the Christian life. (laughs) I'm going to pray for rain. I'm going to expect God to intervene. But you know what? I'm going to get on with the hard work of building a well at the same time. I need water. I'm going to ask God to do it, but I'm going to partner with him as well. It's like these disciples, they get out on the boat. They get out into the water. They're faithfully doing what they know how to do, faithfully going fishing, working hard, breaking a sweat. But when Jesus says, "Try it this way," he shows up on the shore and says, "Put the nets on the other side." They do it, and the first time, like we see in in Luke's story, there, there's a bit of a like, "Well, we have tried, don't you know? We have been working hard, like." we're the experts here, but all right, then you've preached a nice little preach. We'll do it. Cause you ask. Whereas in John's story, there's no hesitation to put the nets out straight away. And I think that after this time, after the revelation of God that we have in the scripture through church history, in our lives in this room, I think we've got the right to expect and the right to ask that God would intervene as well. We commit ourselves to the slow and steady work of the kingdom of God. But we also say, God, would you move here and now? Like, and could we even learn to have an innocence to us that says, do you know what? I've asked God a hundred times. They're going to ask him 101 times to intervene because I know that he's good. I know that he's able. I know that he is willing to intervene in my situation. But could we commit to this life of expanding our capacity and our familiarity with Jesus? Like the disciples had done over those three years. I think it took three things. I think it took them getting close to Jesus over those three years of walking with him, of talking with him, of going to the places that he was going, of hearing his words, of seeing how he moved. And you know, for us, in 2023, Jesus isn't physically present like he was for those disciples, but we've got his word, we've got his spirit. We've got the opportunity to study what others have written down about him, to engage with the stories of of what he was like. To get to know what Jesus was like. And by this mystery of his Holy Spirit to get close to him. To invite his presence with us. To say every day, Jesus, would you come and be with me? If we want to expand our capacity and our familiarity with Jesus, we have to get close to him. We've got to expect it to take some time. Like those disciples, it took three years of 24-7 being with Jesus for things to begin to look different for them. Then as we know, read the book of Acts and beyond. They went out and did some incredible things in the name of Jesus. And sure, Pentecost was part of it, God pouring out his spirit. But those three years of formation, of being with Jesus, of learning what he was like, of embracing his words. It took time. And God's all right with things taking time. But we can expect some interruptions. We can expect Jesus to break through, to come and do stuff that only he can do in the midst of that journey as well. So I want to pray for us this morning. I want to pray for us for a whole bunch of different things but maybe you're someone who's like i just don't feel like i'm close to jesus i just don't know how to follow him how to walk with him it just feels like there's this there's disconnection there's distance i want to pray for you this morning that holy spirit would come and touch your heart and show you the ways that you can walk closer to jesus today I want to pray for you if you're like, John, this is, this is taking time. <laughs> I've, I've been on this journey a while. I'm not seeing the change that I want to see. I want to pray that God would encourage you today. That he would give you his patience. I want to pray for you if you want to come and ask God for an interruption in the story. You feel like, all right, I can make my peace with the fact that God may be working slowly, but God, would you move here and now as well? So whatever it is that is in your story that is not as good as it's going to be one day, the good news is that we can ask Jesus to move. And you know what? Time and time again, he does. So when you stand up, and I want to pray for you. And then we'll create some space to pray with one another as well. Father, I thank you for this beautiful collection of people here today. Well, I want to pray for those who want to walk with you more closely, want to get to know what you're like. God, would you speak to our hearts? Would you show us where we can make space for you in our lives? Would you draw us to the ways that you're revealing yourself to us? That we would get to know what you're like. Would you put us around people who show us who you are? Lord, and I pray for those who have been faithfully following you for a long time. Lord, I want to pray for those who just need to know again that you're with them on this journey. Lord, would you give each of us the patience to know that because you died and rose again, because you are resurrected, everything. Is going to be alright in the end. Lord, and where we need you to come and intervene in our story. Where we need you to interrupt the story. Where we need to be in the boat and see you at the shore and hear you telling us to do something different. God, will we perceive you in the places you're at work would you come and interrupt our story today as we bring to you the places that need your interruption that need your intervention God we be people that have the capacity and the familiarity with you to partner with what you're doing today and for the rest of our days god amen Amen. hope you enjoyed today's message if you want to find out more head to our website findlife.co.uk, or follow us on instagram god bless and see you soon